Hey guys, thanks for tuning into Mass's World this week. Instead of asking you to rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast, I'm just going to ask you to share it with at least one friend. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Here's a message from our sponsors. Hey guys, welcome into this episode of Mass's World. Today we have a pretty awesome guest. His name is Jason Sheely. It's German. And he is a firefighter. Jason, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good, Ryan. How are you? Man, I'm just fantastic. No one's ever asked me that, so now I'm kind of freaking out of what to do. <laughs> but um, I wanted to bring you on the show just because, A, you're a civil servant, and that's awesome. Just like I am trying to be a civil servant like you, teaching the next generation to one day lead. And B, um, I've become your friend lately, and I feel like you and I have gotten closer. We just had a lake house weekend. Yeah. I went to the ER. Yeah. That we're, was, yeah. we're going strong in our friendship. <laughs> Um, and we kind of got into a little bit of conversation, uh, a little bit deeper. It's what happens on the front of boats. Yep. Um, and I started asking a lot about firefighter stuff. So um, I want the listeners to hear a little bit about you. Um, we'll kind of converse throughout the whole thing, but tell us a little bit about your life growing up, just where you came from, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to start by saying I am a little nervous. I, I'm an avid listener of podcasts, but honestly, I'm... I'm Never been on one, so if you're cool with it, I'm just going to take off my shoes real quick. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you listen to my podcast? I, oh, every episode, are you kidding me? All right, the shoes Thank are you. off, and I'm, I'm comfortable. Okay. Uh, so like they said, uh, I'm Jason Sheely. Um, I grew up in Lake Highlands, Dallas. I have three older brothers, and we were all homeschooled. That was really fun. Um, grew up with a loving mom and dad in a Christian household. Um, come to find out about firefighting when I was about 14. Um, just kind of had a moment in my life, like every 14-year-old, I figured out, what am I going to do? You know, a, kind of a, a life crisis. And uh, <laughs> a firefighter popped in my mind, so we went to a safety fair, found a... Uh, What's couple... a safety fair? Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> a safety... I want to hear about this. A safety fair is, is in our neighborhood, there's a police station, and once a year, they had fire trucks police officers, um, one of those smoke trailers that you could go through. Um, and Whoa. You've never heard I've of I've never smoke? heard of a smoke trailer. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's dive a little deeper. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a trailer, and it simulates a house, and then they smoke it up, and kids go in it, and they, they teach kids. It's an educational prop, and they teach kids to crawl below the smoke. Stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll to touch the the um, back of doors with the back of your hand because the back of your hand's more sensitive. Uh, stuff like that and just kind of an educational type experience. So there were firefighters there and went and talked to them and they told me about a program called the Explorers and um, kind of uh, went and explored that for about five years. We it's- actually do that at my high or at my district in high school, oh, um, yeah. we have the, we have the explorers, and I think people start getting into it as like fifteen year olds. That's not yes, correct. That 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 was me. Okay, um, perfect. And that really just kind of opened my eyes to the life of a firefighter because before that, I guess I would just search on the internet or watch a movie of what a firefighter life was like. And that's really realistic, right? It is. Like, like Chicago Fire? Chicago Fire is spot on. That's <laughs> my life every single day. I tell Jason that his life must be full of drama, just like all of those shows. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> um, but yeah, did that. Um, I graduated high school 2012, 
sent myself to EMT school uh, the the fall of 2012 and 2013. What does EMT stand for? Uh, emergency medical technician. Okay, and what does yeah. that look like? Yeah, so that's the people driving the ambulances. There's different levels of EMT. So there's EMT basic, EMT uh, paramedic. Um, paramedic is just the more advanced um, uh, training. So you can start IVs, you can push medications, you can in- do intubations, that kind of stuff. And so I am a, I'm a paramedic as well. And uh, so completed EMT school. That's just kind of a the basic where you start. Um, and then one of the instructors there actually worked in Carrollton, the city I work for now. And he told the whole class they were hiring. So I applied and I applied to a bunch of different cities as well. And the reason that is they, anyone who's looking to be a firefighter, I always tell them, um, you want to apply to as many fire departments as you possibly can because the testing process is very difficult. I tested with 300 applicants and they hired six. So it's, wow. it's very competitive. Um, what, it, what does the testing process look like? Uh, it's about six months long. It starts with a written and then a physical. Stop. Wait. 300 people for six spots tried out for six months. Well, so a big chunk of them get, get knocked out. So you have to make at least a 70 or up. And then they take uh, anyone who made a 70 and higher to the physical ability test. And, and what that, is that? That is walking through, or no, it's not walking through. It's a, it's a test of, of all of the um, applicable or more functional uh, uh, things that we do in firefighting. It's very realistic. So like, do you put like a heavy bag put, or yeah, something Yeah, you have to like put that? a weight vest on, 50-pound weight vest, and you have to carry a hose up uh, four flights of stairs. You have to pull this rope with a weight at the end all the way up those four flights. You have to search a room, come out, walk down those four flights, raise uh, a ladder, pull a couple more hoses, pull a dummy, uh, like you would simulate pulling a victim out of a fire. It's very all very realistic, and you have to do it in a time frame. Um, and if you don't meet, if you don't complete it under that time, which is I believe nine thirty four, um, then you don't go on to the next step. And that's so, kind of how they so question out. in that yeah. Do you know what the test looks like before you do it? Yes, they offer a practice test. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you can you like can, go practice the to get your The smart people will go out and practice, yeah. And then the, the people who are, I guess, who don't care as much just show up on test day and say, here we go. But um, yeah, so anyone who passes that, they go to a first round interview. And that weeds out a bunch of people because their interview board, it's about six people that you sit down and they ask you situational questions. They ask you... Give me an example. Let's see if I can answer one. Uh, okay. Uh, a, a situational question, they, they used um, something as simple as in the grocery store. You, you and your buddy run in real quick, um, and he has a radio and you don't, and he says, go get milk, and he's going to go get uh, some, some, I don't know, some chicken. What do you do in that situation? And what they're trying to get at is... Let me answer it. Yeah, go ahead. So we split up. <laughs> what I was... Is this like to a fire or is this just like a deduction? It's, this is... No, yeah, this is just real life. Okay, I'd pick a spot that we're going to meet back up. 
um, in a timely manner. I'd say, hey, you got one minute. I got one minute. Let's meet back at the cereal aisle. Right. So that's actually not what they're looking for. They're looking for a response more like, I would stick with the guy who has the one radio. Because if at any time you get a call, the guy who doesn't have a radio has no idea you got a call. Because when when you get a call, you have about 60 seconds to respond. And oh, wow. to get out to your vehicle, no matter where you are, if you're in the grocery store, if you're at the fire station, you have to leave what you're doing, go out to the rig, and respond. And so just... You know, questions like that. Um, Can you prepare for those, or am I just doomed to ever be a firefighter? Is that? Uh, <laughs> am I just supposed there's, to know no, that? There's no, there's preps. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's some practice questions. Um, one tough one was like, uh, you're at a fire, and you're with a mother, and you have that mother's child in the ambulance, and the child didn't make it. What do you tell the mother? Do you lie to her, or do you tell her the truth? And yeah, some, some tough questions, but the questions like that, there's not really a right answer. You could justify either way, but they want to see your thought process in answering those questions. Right. Cause you got to be empathetic with the victim and, exactly. uh, or I guess with the victim's family. Exactly. Um, and, but at the same time, like, is that the best spot for them to learn of their child's death? Right. Like I, I, I see the, but logic are you going to lie to the mother? What do you, what did you answer? <laughs> You know, I, I think I said I told the mother in the most compassionate way I could. Um, because mm. it, if, my, if, if I'm asking about my kid, I don't want you to lie to me just to, just to protect my feelings. Okay. Right. I want to I wanna know the truth. And so that's and, – and then they, the proctors of the interview, they kind of judge among themselves how you did. Do they, do they ask you to like, hey, rehearse this for us, do this? Like, hey, ma'am. Um, I, you know, I, I, I hate n- to be the one to tell you this. Or- not quite, not quite. They just asked you how you would, um, how you would approach that situation. Okay. See, I'd been, I'd been towards what you said as well. Yeah. I think it's, I think you can't go wrong with telling the truth, but just how you tell the truth. Um, very important. Yeah. We're getting biblical in here. Um, <laughs> no, but so keep going. Um, you're, you're getting these tests. You, yeah. you just did the situational test. What happens after that? Yeah, so if you pass the first interview, then you have to go to a, a, a psych test, um, and then you have to go take a polygraph. <laughs> you have to. What did they ask you? I mean, is that shoot, weird? Have, like, I've it never is been weird. It is weird because I was a pretty clean cut kid, and not a lot to lie about. But just being hooked up to a lie detector, it, it jumps my heart rate up already. And I'm, I was in my head thinking, man. What if they think I'm lying? I know I'm not lying, but what That's if what it I says totally I'm lying, do. right? Like it's it is nerve wracking. Um, and at any moment in this process, if something goes wrong, you get kicked out of the process and you have to start all over again. Do you remember a the question next that, year? Oh, oh gosh. Yes, yeah. So you would have to start at the written test again, and they give the test once a year. So it's it's um, you, <laughs> it can be very stressful. Um, through that whole process. So after the polygraph, um, you have to have a background check as well. And then you have a final interview with the, with the fire chief. Now, is this, is this the most intense one or no, is this, this like is, a, this is, you pretty much got the job, but the fire chief wants to meet you and ask you some additional questions. What did he, what did your fire chief ask you? 
some some kind of generic questions like um, what can you offer the city? What are your strengths and weaknesses? Uh, I think he asked like what the city's mission statement is, and I had memorized that all at that point. Don't ask me now because I I I can't remember what our city's mission statement is. But Carrollton, you have a bad yeah. firefighter. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so yeah, I got, I got hired there in, uh, July 15th of 2013. So I'm coming up on six years of being a firefighter and I absolutely love it. It's the best job in the world. I, I tell you. Yeah, dude, that's incredible. Let's, yeah. let's actually double click. I'm using your words. Okay. Double click on being a firefighter. Yes. Let's start with like the schedule because when I heard this for the first time, I was like, dang, 48 hours off. What can I do with that time? Then I'll just go back to work. Then I'll have 48 more hours off. Yeah. Does it actually look like that? Or, or how would you describe it? So it's a 24-48. Explain what that is. Yeah. It, some people say every day's a Friday, right? Because then you get two days off right afterwards. Oh. It's a good way to look at it. Honestly, I love the schedule. Uh, the schedule is dependent on kind of the, the city. If you go um, to other cities, you might see 4896. You work 48 straight, and you get 96 off. Houston kind of has a different schedule. They work something like one on, one off, one on, one off, and then like three off or something like that. So it, it really just depends on how the city wants to um, do you prefer, organize it. Do you prefer Carrollton's? Uh, it's the only one I've known. Yeah. Uh, and other people I've talked to, everyone loves the schedule they're on, it seems. Um, yeah. It, and we, we had talked about going to 4896, and I would be in favor for trying it. Um, it got shot down, but the people who you did talk to who worked that, um, a lot of places in California do that just because they have such a long commute. They all love the love the uh, the schedule, but it is it is I really love it. Uh, you go in at seven a.m. Uh, and you leave at seven a.m. the next day, and your forty eight off. It can be real comfortable and nice, or it can be. Short. <laughs> it tends to go really short. Because you got to sleep, right? Yeah. So if you're up all night making calls the night before, you go home and you just crash. And you just got to sleep half the day. Then you have maybe one full day. On your second day, you have to get ready for work. So you're getting up at 4.35 a.m. So you can't stay out late on your second day off. Does that make sense? Sure. It's like a Sunday like where every yeah. work day is like a Friday. Every, yes. Every, every other day is like a Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Which Sundays can just be, you know, you're just kind of overwhelmed by the week a little bit too. So yeah. So you're sleeping, which kind of brings me to my next point. What about the days that there aren't a lot of calls? What are you actually doing at the station? Because you just mentioned that, you know, if you're out on, out all night, it's going to be a, a tougher forty-eight on you. You know, you're sleeping a lot more. But when there's not a lot of calls, what are you? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So I'll kind of just walk you through what a typical day at the fire station looks like. We're not slaying the dragon, fighting fire every single day. Slaying the dragon. Slaying the dragon. <laughs> like it's honestly, we probably f- go on fire calls ten percent of the time. Like it, it's drastically less than you would think. Um, we just work out, eat, and pose for calendars most days. I, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other extreme, right? Um, y'all have like, do y'all have a gym? We, yeah. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. So we get there about 6.15. 
Uh, we get there early to relieve the guys who are going home, so you don't get a call at 6.50 and have to stay there past 7. It's just kind of a courtesy to get there early before your shift. And so we get Wait, there. Well, before you keep going, yeah, remember that spot. Has it ever happened where you've been late and there's been a call at 6.50 where you like sh- screwed a guy over? Um, I've... No. The only times it happens when you're swinging from a from your original station to a different station to like fill in for someone because you have to get to yours, pack up all your stuff and then go to another station. So you might get there at six fifty, and they might get a call, but sometimes that's just how it works. You know, you get paid till seven. So you can't complain about getting a call at six fifty. Okay. It's okay, just part of it. It's part of the job. You know, it's just, you have to deal with it. And so we try to get there as early as we can and that doesn't always happen, but you try to get there early, get a couple cups of coffee. That's priority. And then you go to your rigs. It's depending on uh, how the staffing is. You're either on the ambulance or engine most days. Uh, right now, I'm, I've been on the engine lately, kind of driving the fire engine, which is awesome. But it's first thing in the day... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Ever turn on the sirens and get, get around people? Is that like maneuvering that giant fire engine? How difficult is that? And how many morons... Don't pull over to the right. Oh, constantly. constantly. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of loud noises on that thing that makes it enjoyable <laughs> when people don't move it out. It's weird, but if people aren't moving out of the way, you lay, lay on that air horn are and you, that siren. Are you stressed and, driving it? No, I am not. I am not at all. Because we drive it so often. We're, we're averaging probably hmm, five to eight calls a day. Okay. A, a busiest day is probably like 16 or 17 calls that's like a storm blows in and or a blizzard or we don't get those very often in texas but a really busy day is probably 16 or 17 calls and you're just going constantly and 10 percent of those are actually fires roughly roughly yeah yeah okay so it's not a whole tangent firefight yeah we're tangent okay so so you got your coffee yep and it's 7 a.m. We just hit 7. Uh-huh. What are we doing? Yeah, so we're checking out our uh, our equipment. Every every shift, we check out the fire engine. I'm running the, as the driver, I'm running the pump, uh, making sure it's holding pressure, make sure uh, we have plenty of water, fuel, def, because it's a diesel. We're checking out all of our medical equipment, because uh, on fire engines, we're a paramedic engine, meaning I'm a paramedic, and... Um, we staff engines with paramedics. So if an ambulance isn't there right when we get there, that's okay. We can render aid. And so we have all the equipment, most equipment that an ambulance has and, uh, everything else, our air packs, our bunker gear, we're just kind of doing a all around check, make sure things are where they should be. Things are restocked. Um, and so from, from there, if everything looks good, we kind of, uh, we go inside, maybe grab a, Bite to eat for breakfast. Um, as far as meals, we're generally uh, cooking a full meal for lunch and dinner. Is there a best chef in-house? Uh, generally, a station has a guy who likes to cook more and does cook better. <laughs> okay, are you that guy? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm capable. I wouldn't say I'm the best but you're cook. above Ask average. my wife. You're above average. <laughs> Ask my wife. Okay, okay. I'm a decent cook. Um... I enjoy it, but we eat good. We eat real good. I mean, full-on meals, um, you know, a meat, 
a vegetable, a starch. I mean, every single Even meal. Even for breakfast? For breakfast, we'll go lighter, except if it's the weekend. Saturday or Sunday, we go throw down eggs, bacon, biscuits, gravy. The, the works. <laughs> Has it ever affected your job, like wanting to go to take a nap after or feeling heavy? Like? Oh, for sure. Or what's what's terrible is when you're cooking the cooking a steak, for instance, and you get a call. You have to pull that bad boy off the grill. It breaks my heart every time. Because you come back to a cold steak. It's just not the same if you have to reheat it. No. No, no it's not. It's not oh, my gosh. Okay. So, <laughs> There's so much into this. Sure. No, yeah. no. Okay. No, I like this, though. I like where we're going. Let me know if we need to move a little quicker. No, no, no. We're, we're doing great. Breakfast, lighter on, on the lighter end. Yeah. What happens in between 9 and 12? Yeah. So we usually have some kind of training each shift. So Every day? Yes. Yes. Okay. So whether that being uh, medical training or fire-related training, we're constantly doing continuing education because we have to keep up our certifications. And we also just have to stay sharp. For, for We have a lot of protocols to know. So our fire department, this isn't the same for every fire department, but generally around this DFW Metroplex, we run medical calls and fire calls. So the ambulance service is a part of the fire department. So I'll be riding the ambulance. That says Carrollton Fire Rescue, and our fire engines say Carrollton Fire Rescue. We do, we do both. And so we, with that, we're dually trained, firefighter and paramedic. We have to keep up with a lot of protocols, medical protocols, to know what to do in certain uh, instances, breathing difficulties, CPRs, uh, chest pains, you know, those, those sorts of things. We have to know what to do and take those people to the respective hospital. And so we do training. We do medical training. We do... Mostly um, in the morning. So it's like a classroom type setting? Yes. A lot of times in the... Uh, Sometimes it's relaxed at the station. Other times we have a training facility that we go to and we can practice our skills. Um, and do, do half stay or do you all stay together just in case you get a call? Like your example that I failed earlier. <laughs> um, so we have eight stations in Carrollton. Okay. Uh, yeah, so if, if we're out of district in a different area, the next up station closest to the district will respond, and, and so on and so forth. So if you're not the district resp- uh, on training, yeah. does that make for a longer, more stressful day typically? Um, like you're having to cover a wider radius now. It could. It, it could. It just depends on the day. It, it's so hard to say which days are busiest. Okay, and think- I kind of get the feel that your, your attitude is like, it's just work. Like that's just what the, the tough parts of work are. Yeah. Yeah, it's you have to very be very go with the flow in this line of work. You you can't stick to any rigid schedule. You can try, but at the end of the day, you're there to make nine one one calls, and so when they call, you have to go. And so, <laughs> uh, quick story, I'll yeah. interject because uh-huh. this this has happened to us before. Okay. We've been playing Call of Duty. And I hear a big siren in the background. I'm like, what's that? And Jason's like, I got to go, dude. And um, not like we were actually going to win if I'm playing on the team. But and, and we have one before yeah. while you were at the fire station. And you bring up a good point. There are There's definitely downtime at the fire station. So yeah. generally we... So it's 12, you eat lunch. What yeah. are you eating for lunch? Let's, let's hit on the food. Oh, we're, we're going burgers, fries, and probably some... Uh, Grilled or baked broccoli. That's real good. That's a real big one. Um, and then 
will sometimes we've got fire training. So we have a fire facility down there that can simulate real fires. So we can practice what we would do, pulling hoses, uh, strategies, tactics, um, what is most popular in the fire industry as far as uh, extinguishing fires. There's a, there's a lot more to just putting uh, water on the fire. There's, it seems kind of fun. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It, it, it is a lot of fun. Those days are also very tiring, especially in Texas heat. Okay. Wearing the bunker gear, which is, imagine, snow gear, head to toe. 50, 50 pounds at least? At, at least. I'd probably say 60. Okay. It, it gets heavy, but you get used to it. The more you wear it, the more you get used to it. And so that brings us back to our day. Um, after lunch, probably looking at uh, working out. Usually we have to stay physically fit. That's very important because you have to carry all that gear. And then you may have to carry someone else. You hence just... the calendars. Yeah, hence the calendars. I have never been one in one, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, I am taken by my beautiful <laughs> wife, Jessica. I'm just going to insert that. Shout out. Uh, and... So you have to stay physically fit. Now, the older guys in our department, they kind of let themselves go. Part of that is the delicious food we eat. Yeah, it makes it tough. To That's you all... have to be disciplined and, and give yourself portions because we always make so much food. So much food. You ever it, take any home for like the next day? Um, if, I'm, if I'm not going straight back home, I might take a, some leftovers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's just delicious food. So we're in between what? Two and five o'clock right now. One and five o'clock. You can you can choose to work out. You can choose to you simulate some stuff if you need some extra training. Yeah. And who's is the chief facilitating all this? Yeah, we have so we have different um, chiefs over different things. We have a chief of operations, which is kind of like training. We have a, a chief of EMS, emergency medical services. Uh, we have a chief over staffing. So there's a part of our administration, who are all firefighters, by the way, they worked up the ranks, which the ranks are in, and I'm speaking from uh, the perspective of Carrollton firefighters. So your experience, if you talk to another fire, it won't always be the same. It's just kind of, if you go to New York City Fire Department, their experience is going to be very different <laughs> than, than a suburb of Dallas County. Okay. Just keep that in mind. And so it... In our structure hierarchy, it's firefighter, second driver, driver, captain. Just imagine I'm having my hand at a higher level each time. He's doing it. Battalion chief, assistant chief, and then you've got big chief, fire chief up there. Big chief. Y'all call him big chief? (laughs) We we do, actually. That's funny. I'm at second driver. I'm at uh, just one level above firefighter. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And how long does it take to typically like move up? One of those. Uh, so you have to be in your position at least two years before you can test. The testing is very competitive. So guys are putting in about six months uh, worth of studying. Uh, we're talking about 1,800 pages of material, and you're reading through that five, six, seven times. It's very intensive, and it's only 100 questions with all of that. Could you imagine? 1,800 pages for 100 questions. Yes. Wow. It's a lot of info. That is a lot of info. I'm not a fan of our testing method, but it's very common in the civil service uh, realm. I feel like, though, doing what you do in an emergency responsive role, it's it's, it's kind of nice hearing how much rigor you have to actually do because... It's supposed to be that, t- you know, like it's it's a very yeah. tough job. Yeah. And, okay, keep going. So that's training. 
Um, then there's dinner. Usually we... Wait, we didn't hit on working out. Uh, oh, the, <laughs> yeah. okay. So our working out, I usually work out probably 2 to 3 p.m. And uh, each station has a fully equipped gym. So we have treadmills, stair climbers, barbells, dumbbells. Um, a bench. A bench. Everything you need to stay physically fit. And uh, fitness is, is big to me because I enjoy... And I, I listened to your fitness podcast. It was great. I really Thank enjoy... You. <laughs> is it wrong to plug a podcast in that same blo- on podcast? On the pod, yes. On, the pod- on my podcast, it's 100% a okay. Uh, so fitness is really big to me. And so with that, I try to um, buy meals uh, that are generally healthier um, to to try to just keep us healthy, I guess. Because go back 10 years, uh, maybe even five years, and everything's fried. You've got chicken fried steak, you've got fried shrimp, you've got fried chips, you've just, everything is fried. And so over the years, we've kind of shifted more towards now we're having a taco salad, now we're having uh, broccoli and salmon and red potatoes. We're we're kind of getting healthier. And with that uh, uh, talk of health, is also coming just firefighter mental health and also firefighter cancer health because we're figuring out uh, so much of what we do, if we're doing it wrong or, or if we're not protecting ourselves, can lead to cancer. Um, most of all being um, fires and car fires and all those products of combustion, if we're not wearing our, our bunker gear correctly and if we're not... Um, uh, breathing out of our SCBA, which is a self-contained breathing apparatus. If we're not protecting ourselves, then breathing in smoke, being a tough, macho smoke breather, is what's causing lung cancer and mm. throat cancer and all of these things that um, are, are killing firefighters prematurely. And mostly it's uh, after they're retired, which, which just sucks because you work for about 30 years, 35 years, and then... You, you don't you don't get to live and enjoy your retirement. And so a big emphasis uh, is being shown right now on that health and on good hand washing and washing our, our bunker gear after any kind of fire or exposure to smoke. Um, we had a guy who, who uh, just overcame testicular cancer uh, just about two years ago. Um, and that was a, you know, everyone rallied together for that battle. And since that, everyone's been a lot more aware of what you're eating and what you're being exposed to and what uh, how you're protecting yourself. Um, yeah, that's cool. I, I was I was thinking that, you know, how do you just do this alone all the time? Because yeah. I'm like, you have to have a guy or a buddy. But it sounds like collectively at the firehouse, y'all y'all have an idea and y'all are all kind of working towards that that goal. Yeah. Yeah. So the fire department is definitely a family. We're all, we're all in it together. We've all got each other's backs. Um, we all band together just like, uh, his name's Brent Dirks. Uh, he is an awesome guy and everyone came around him and just gave him so much support. Um, and, and through that, we're just, we're one big family. Now on the flip side of that, the firehouse is can be very much like a fraternity. You, sure, you've been in a fraternity. Is it all guys? Like we've got 
two women okay. <laughs> in the fire department. That's good, because I, I didn't want to say fireman. I yeah. wanted to say firefighter. Yeah. Um, it's predominantly male, just because of the demands of the job. Um, and with that, you've got a locker room talk a lot, frankly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's there's a, a lot of it, you, you kind of joke along and go with it and stuff like that, but... Some things you, you've got to know where where the line is, and um, being a, a married man um, and loving my wife so much, I want to protect that relationship. I want to um, make sure that I stay married because, frankly, firefighters there's a lot of divorce in in that world, unfortunately. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of that is you're not um, protecting your marriage protect Christian or not you you have to be an advocate for your wife you can't be talking about all the things you don't like about her to your buddies at work yeah you can't you can't be watching all these shows or uh uh, uh making jokes about <laughs> I don't know what it is about the weather girl but <laughs> the firefighter's yeah. always talking about a weather girl on tv like come on guys like every single one of us married pretty much but you just have to. That's that's a reality, and I know that's in a lot of different work. Yeah, I was forces. just about, I was just about to say like I think that's that's a great just reminder in general yeah. because I I feel like you get comfortable and you can slide into these bad habits at yeah. work and, and it can really hurt your marriage if it, you're not protecting it. Yes, yes, and it can also just make you calloused. Uh, as as a guy too, and, and uh, especially as a firefighter, because a lot of this goes unfiltered. This isn't a corporate work environment, <laughs> right? This is this is most stations have five guys in it: three on the engine, two on the ambulance. So there's not this big HR department. There's not at an the a, yeah. You've don't got chief. You don't have big brother. You don't have anyone looking over your shoulder, at, which is really nice. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like any pretty much anything goes. Um, and so you have to just know when to walk out of the conversation. You have to know when to turn off the TV. You have to know when to say, hey, guys, this too far, too far, you know? And you have to be that, uh, that salt and that light, as Scripture says, uh, to just kind of bring, bring the conversation back to something more appropriate. No, I think, that's, I think that's a great point, and I think that's, you know, like you said, like it can be brought to any yeah. type of, of work. And that's, I think that's a great testament. I do want to shift gears here. Sure. Because we've been going for about 34. Sure. But I want to hear the craziest situation that you've ever been a part of. And if it's, if it's too difficult or something like that, shift to a one that was really exciting or, <laughs> or something along those lines. But um, I, I think that your job is really admirable, and I, I don't think we'd be doing it justice if you couldn't tell us a story yeah. that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I don't have any issue talking about any of these calls. My I joke with my wife that I have the emotional capacity of a teaspoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and that, that helps sometimes because it's very easy for me to detach myself. I think you have to um, in this line of work. Same with any kind of healthcare job. You have to be able to remove yourself from the emotion of the situation to best render aid to whatever it is. As far as calls, man, we have a range from someone calling 911 to change their uh, uh, batteries and their smoke detector. Can you believe that? Like, if you're 90 years old, sure, call away. 
But man, 45-year-old male, change your own dang smoke detector batteries. Young people learn how to do that. I know it's obnoxious. <laughs> Buy a 9-volt? Nine, nine Are we still using 9 volts? We're still using 9 volts, All right, yeah. so know what a 9-volt yeah. is. You can get like the 10-year life one. Anyway, you've got that call on one spectrum, and the other spectrum is a fully involved house burn into the ground or a uh, just terrible car accident with with ejection and you know just carnage and so you run into all kinds of calls and so you have to be ready for all of it honestly one of my favorite uh, fires so as a firefighter you, you have favorites because you enjoy it you you want to fight fire and so you call it a good one like oh man that was a good fire we're just kind of sick that way but there was there was this yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you and it was that. a house it was a house under construction and man it was just a pile of sticks burning you could see it from a mile i'm not kidding you a mile away it looked like a volcano shooting up in the and it was at nighttime shooting up in the the black of night and it was this probably 3 4000 square foot house almost finished out they were they were finishing the floors and something went wrong with um, oily rags or someone, I don't know if it's a cigarette or something, but that lacquer that was on the floors caught the whole blaze. It was so hot that as our trucks rolled up to the front of the house, it started to melt the plastic lights off of the truck. That it was, We had to move the truck further a couple houses down because it was melting. Even the, the blinds and the windows across the street, on the house across the street, were melting because this house was so hot. So what do you do next? Like in that in that fire, you, you go defensive. You just try to spray as much water on it as you can. You're not going inside of it, and you try to protect the houses on the side of that burning structure so that it doesn't spread and get worse. Yeah. Wow. So that's one of my favorite fires. Um, as far as a medical call, uh, we responded to a construction site where this guy was. Uh, uh, I can't quite remember his name, but it, it doesn't matter. He was pulling a lever on a dump truck. It was one of those big dump trucks pulling a lever to to dump all the rocks out the back of it. And as he grabbed that lever, well, he didn't realize that the truck had lifted its bed onto power lines, touching power lines. So he was the the contact and made <laughs> made made the path of electricity complete. Um, and so he ended up pulseless so he was dead we responded uh rendered cpr started cpr and we shocked him twice uh we got a pulse back and got him into the ambulance on the way to the hospital he regained consciousness and started talking oh before, my gosh before we left the hospital he his buddy was joking and making fun of him that he had just died <laughs> it was how long was he out for he was he was probably out for I would say seven or eight minutes, I guess. Um, and it, it, it just, it's not all like that. Don't get that was the Chicago fire moment of my career. But a lot of our calls don't end that way, unfortunately. But this guy was, it, it, God wasn't done with him yet. And so that's one of my favorites. Um, a, a tragic one for you was this lady was texting and driving. Kids. Get off your phones. You don't want to end up in jail, okay? She was texting and driving, not paying attention. Kicked a curb, uh, or, or rolled up on a curb. She was probably going 55. And uh, it was this elderly couple coming out of um, of a 
parking lot area onto this uh, interstate side road, and they just completely got T-boned. Oh my god! From this lady texting and driving, not paying attention. Those two elderly people, they didn't make it. Mm. And so then, then I hear that the police were coming around asking more info about uh, this this lady who had hit them and who had. Uh, been on uh, uh, her phone, and so they they took her to court um, because she was on her phone texting and driving. So, man, let that be a stern. I, I know that's a grim story, but that's the reality uh, out here. Is when you have that phone in your hand, y- you're, you're it's not just your life at risk. You could r- ruin other people's worlds. Yeah. So let that just kind of no. I th- I think that's good be for a good anybody. Reminder, I think I right? think a lot of people. Text and drive. I don't think it's kids yeah. either, but yeah. Um, okay, so we can bring this a little bit more upbeat if you'd like. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I like the realness of it. I think the authenticity is great. Yeah. Um, this is going to be like a really authentic question. Sure. Um, have you ever been in one of these crazy tough situations and like question your ability to be able to follow through, react, do everything the way it was supposed to be done, and like I don't know, just be on the ball. Yeah. I, man, a good healthy fear um, is important in this job because if, if you're just completely fearless, that's when you get hurt. So you have to respect uh, the fire. You have to respect the tools that you're using and that you're on a highway and understand that you could get hit. Like that's a healthy fear. Um, and But there are times when you look at that fire or you look at this patient that you have to help and you freeze for a second but then that's when your training kicks in. That's when all of this training that you're wondering, why am I doing this again? I've done this a thousand times. It's in those stressful situations that you're thanking yourself that you know what to do when things are going wrong. It's, it's just programmed into you. Oh, I've done this a thousand times. I know what to do. I can look past the emotion. I can look past the shock. This is what I've been trained for. And so a good firefighter, when you have been trained up and you face a scary situation, something that's really intimidating, you know, hey, I know what to do. I, I don't have to second. I think when you're doubting yourself, that's because you don't have enough uh, training or confidence in your abilities, in, in what you have studied. Sure. And so that that's probably how I'd answer that question. Is there like a story like that specifically, like maybe the first time you went out and you were just like, like, and, and you saw a bad fire, a bad situation, and you're like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Man, I, I think it'd be more on the medical side, like my first CPR, when you're doing, when you're starting chest compressions, it, it kind of hits you for a second that, oh man, this, this person's not here and I'm trying to bring them back. Oh, like wow. I just pause for a second and say, Okay, this is what I've trained. All right, here we go. Like I, I got, I got to do something to help this person. And so I think that's when I can occasionally second guess. Like, what do I do here? And it's just for a moment, and then it all comes to me of, we just got to work. And yeah. when you're working, and when you've got that person in mind that hey, you want that person to to live and have a good life, it takes it off of yourself, and you're no longer questioning or doubting yourself because it's not about you right no yeah. I, th- I think that's really really good yeah um and just 
Yeah, no, I think I think it's really good because you know everybody has that apprehension at some point in their career, whatever yeah. they do. And I, I mean, your job is just a little more higher higher stakes. Yeah. Um, and with with I've got an extra to that. You're not always going to do the right thing, too. You're going to mess up. Right. That's everything in life. And you have to be equipped to be able to deal with that mess up. And so, like I said, mental health is big in the, in the kind of in the newsletter of fire departments right now. And my faith is huge in that. That's what keeps me grounded. That's what gives me hope in all of these terrible situations I see. I'm like, man, what's the point of all of this if it just ends like this, you know? But then that's when I'm reminded that, that there is a good God who loves you and that this earth isn't permanent. That there is, <laughs> there is still hope despite all of these. You know, if you get cancer, there is still hope. How do you? How does? How does this guy stay so joyful in the midst of one of the worst circumstances that he's ever experienced? And it's it's because of his faith. And so, whether it's depression or whether it's anxiety or whether it's um, all of these stresses of having to deal with the calls that I see. I know that uh, there's a good God that loves me and that I can put all my burdens on his shoulders and he says, bring it on. You know, through my strength, you can do all of this. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I obviously know that I really care about faith and I think it's really cool that you can tie it all in to, oh, it's all, to what you do because yeah. it's all connected It is um, in anything you do. Um, on a different note, I'm going to try and have a little bit of fun with you. Sure. I looked up some firefighter facts before you came over. Oh, gosh. And uh, I, ha- I just have some questions for you, and let's we'll see how good you are at this. Let's hear it. How You're going to embarrass me. I know it. No, no, no. no they're not like that. <laughs> how many firefighters a year are arrested for starting fires in our country? Oh, I would probably say like 25, 30. 100. 100? That's pretty crazy. That is crazy. You know, it... <laughs> That'd be like me being... I don't know how... I don't know the equivalent to that, but like... I, I picture that being a lot of the rural volunteer yeah, you know departments volunteer. that are like just biting at the bit to fight that fire, you know, and they've like got the nothing Schrute. going on, yeah. you know? And so it it's kind of sick, but it happens, right? Because you hope they do it on a vacant house, right? Because they just want to do their job, but... That's sad, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's crazy. Okay. Who is responsible for the first fire company in Philadelphia? Oh, God. I have no idea, man. Who is it? Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. Yeah. Huh. How many hours of training do you have to have before legally being allowed to enter the interior of a burning building? You have to have... This might vary state to state. 150 hours. This says 100. Okay. I overshot it. So if you're a little bit more trained, that's okay. I think, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> How long do firefighters have to get dressed? Uh, they have in... So and this changes from department to department. Our department is 120 seconds, I yeah, believe. Yeah, two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that... They're, you're agreed. Um, who is the first woman ever recorded to serve as a firefighter in an official capacity? Mother Teresa. In New York City. <laughs> Molly Williams. I don't know. That, I don't that's know. a tough one. I don't know. If they're who, yeah, answer. who knows Molly Williams? All right. What is the number one killer of firefighters? 
Uh, I believe it's heart disease, but I would probably say cancer now. Heart attack. Heart attack, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, yeah. I shouldn't have ended on that. <laughs> kind of a morbid way. <laughs> we, to don't end have it. To, we don't have to end on that. I don't know what else we talk about, but I'm sure I can find something. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pivot to another question. Okay. What's the official fighter fighter dog? Oh. Official, unofficial. The, the Dalmatian. The Dalmatian. Do you know why it was the Dalmatian? I do not know why. So back back when they had uh, the, the buggies and the horses and stuff, the Dalmatians actually kept the horses calm near the fires. And when they were, when they run, they would run alongside or ride in the, the um, carriage. It was also said, I don't know if this is true, but the dogs would howl when a bell was sounded for a fire and other dogs in that neighborhood would additionally howl and kind of tell everybody oh there's a fire somewhere the volunteers need to get together so that's awesome because dogs cool. are awesome yeah. yeah i'd love to have a dalmatian one day i don't have one right now though that's cool yeah. well jason this has been awesome i'm gonna ask a question where uh-huh. can the people follow you the people can follow me on instagram I'm not very active in the social media world. I feel like I'm getting old. I'm only 25, but I feel like I'm getting old. Jason Sheely uh, is is my Instagram. I think it's Jason underscore Sheely. Jason underscore. See, I, I can't even get that right. I got you, bro. <laughs> and then you have a you have a pool service, which we didn't talk about the 48. Yeah, yeah. Of the 24. I feel like we hold, need a whole other podcast the other side of this. But <laughs> firefighters have a lot of second jobs. With, with this time off, we have the chance to kind of make supplemental income and support our families a little bit more. So I clean pools. I started my own uh, pool business. It's called uh, Pool Medic. And the Instagram the for Instagram that is... The Instagram is at Pool Medic Services. And hey, I'll Instagram. tell you this. Leave a review uh, <laughs> on Google because uh, I did. Google or Yelp, that would help my business greatly. Thank I you. Don't have, I don't have a, a, what is it called, a pool. Yeah. But we, has, ha- we have one in our HOA. Now you got to return the favor and write me a review. <laughs> Already done, my good man. This guy's awesome. Cool. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? I didn't. I didn't. Well, um, Jason, again, thank yeah. you for coming on, man. Had a my good pleasure. time. Um, this wraps up this edition of Masters World. See y'all next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Masses World. Again, instead of rating, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast. I ask that you share it with one person that might like to hear it. Thanks again for joining me and I look forward to seeing you next time.